We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC 252, Miocic versus Cormier 3. I'm Paul Shaughnessy. Pat Mayo behind the sticks this week. Hi. Hey, hey, hey to Pat and uh, Cody Saptic. Here in studio. How was your weekend, Cody? What'd you get up to? Yeah, obviously a really good weekend. Picks were very well. And then outside of that, still summertime weather. So very happy with that, Paul. I'll take it for as long as I can. And yeah, now we got another pay-per-view offering. Not the greatest pay-per-view, but but yeah, some good spots, I think. And uh, looking forward to getting to it. Whoa, what the hell happened here? (laughs) I had to dress up for, uh, for greatness here. Cody going 11 of 12, almost at the PRP. I don't know if you can hear me on that. Um, people on the comment section were saying for me to drink a shoey. You didn't even take that bet. That's like one of the only bets you I lost. Stoli, uh, Stolia Stinko and... Uh, Stolia Stinko. And, uh, and her were the only... And uh, Lewis... Am I going to uh, get Grace with the shoey with here? me was... I mean, I probably should. Oh, I didn't even know about and this. Like, and like, we're not drinking Pilsners because it's fuck. a celebration, bitches. I got some Perrier water here. Guys, settle down. It's Perrier water. It's uh, nothing else than that. Oh, interesting top to this. I'm having some French champagne. I got that. Uh, but, like, Sparkling I mean, water unless it's from Champagne, I mean, France, dude. Please don't break the lights. A king, a king <laughs> like you. Parlay King. Wow, you're being Can't far be drinking too nice. out of anything like that. Wow, where'd you get these bad boys? I mean, we made the Jesus. bet. We made the bet. Um, I mean, these are supposed to be for punishment, right? Yeah, yeah. Do I have yeah. to drink out of this? Hey, you made me so much money this weekend. If I get any infectious diseases, all right, get it. You know, the alcohol actually sanitizes it, so you should be in a pretty good spot. Now I'm pumped up for this card. Oh, just get at it. Just get after it. I'll have a little swiggy of that myself. There you go. Let me get a little swiggy of that. All right, let's go. 
Paul Shaughnessy. You know what? And I pussied out of the bet, too. So that's uh, pretty impressive of you. You, you want me like 6K this weekend. Oh, yeah. No, it was a very, I'll, I'll very good weekend. I'll gladly let you have that. Well, I did spill uh, Perrier water all over myself. That's yes, unfortunate. Yes, of course. That's a nice Perrier water, Can I have uh, permission to drink out of this for the remainder yeah, of no, the Yeah, no, hey, episode? yeah, of course, of course. Pat, but, would you but, like a cup? Okay, this is we're, we went right off the rails, right off the top here, boys. Yeah, um, no, definitely. We'll get into some picks. I will. It's funny because we're talking about Cormier, who's making a bid for goat status himself. So I guess the mask's fitting. I want to address that. I know some people say that in the comment section, and it's a good term. Oh, the greatest of all time. People will say that we hit some parlays, we make some money. People always Cody, say goat. Just goat. no, 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 no. Just no. I don't want to be the goat. I don't want to be considered the goat. Because that's just how I was raised, man. My dad got to where he was from never being the best. He was one of the best. He hung with the best. But he was never the best. Don't get to the top of the mountain. Because then the pressure just buckles you over. I don't want people thinking, oh, this guy's the greatest. There's a lot of great guys. Talk to a lot of people. Spread your information. Do your own research. Ultimately, if you think I'm good, that's great. Consider me one of the, the good guys that, that, are, that are given free tout service. Tout, what the fuck am I talking about? Free service in general. But, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel... I'm not one of these guys to goat and be like, oh, yeah, gloat, I should say. Gloat about being oh. a goat. So, I do appreciate it. That was Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez. This is like, you still got the tag on it. You know what? You actually almost Cody McKenzie'd it. Remember when he fought Sam Stout and he had, like, basketball shorts on? There yeah. was still a tag. Herb Dean had to rip the tag off. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder where those uh, shorts go. I'd love to so add yeah, it to my collection. Yeah, there's a lot of other good touts. There's only one goat, and it's Cody Safdick. So, yeah, there's, there's people who are like, oh, you, you clearly know more than... Then your co-host about things. It's just like, yeah, guys. When in doubt, if we're disagreeing, like Cody's track record history in this, I've seen your tickets over the years. Cody's really good. Listen to Cody. When in, I think I wrote to somebody last week. It's like, when in doubt, listen to Cody. I try. I'm pretty informed, but... No, man, I, listen, I, I prefer the whole win in silence thing. But, I, yeah, I want to address that as well. I know but people will mention some shit in the comment sections. They'll be like, oh, what, fuck, Paul should shut up. Like, two things you got to realize. First of all, there would be no show without you being here. I would probably be getting high in my basement right now watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and tape studying a little bit. We're, we do the show together. We started the show together six years ago, April 2014. Still doing it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be giving out free advice, hanging out with you and Pat doing the show. So you're obviously an integral part of the show. Second of all, is disrespecting you is disrespecting me. So, like, please, I love when people interact and make comments, blah, blah, blah. But, like, oh, it th- doesn't, say it, something about the fight, you know? Man, or take a shot at me. But think about how fat, no, when, I, when we first do, start <laughs> doing this, think about how fat I was. Like, I... Think about when we were it's the new kids on the block. It's almost impossible to completely get under my skin. At least if you're, if you're somebody on Twitter or YouTube and I've never met you, I never will meet you ever in my life. Like, why would I let you affect me? Um, it doesn't really happen all that often. 99.9% of people are all positive. But, uh, but yeah, no. You, you can try. You can try to troll me. It's not, uh, not going to bother me. Anyway, why don't we talk about fights? Let's do it, man. We have uh, the... The trilogy fight between Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic. Daniel Cormier, it's basically a pick em here. Cormier, I see, minus 115. Stipe, minus 105. Cody Saftik, take it away. Yeah, so, so far you've seen, what, just under five rounds of action. And Daniel Cormier, for the most part, has controlled all that action. First fight, doesn't even last a round, but obviously he wins it. Second fight, he wins the first round. He wins the second round. He wins the third round. 
Rewatching it back, he's noticeably fatigued after the first round. And the first round is the only round he really tries to wrestle. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the narrative of him going into this fight, and he's talking about himself, is small cage, baby. I'll take this guy down all day. Wrestling is very tiresome. Trying to wrestle a guy for five rounds is very tiresome. And I think when you're 41-year-old Daniel Cormier, I don't know. That's probably the game plan to win this fight. Mix up the striking with the wrestling. But at 41, I just don't know. The biggest, the two highest profile losses of his career, John Jones rematch, where, geez, man, he starts out really good the first two rounds. And then he fatigues. He gets tired. He's an older man. He's fighting young buck John Jones. He turns out to be on steroids. And he gets TKO'd in the third round. Fight with Stipe. Again, he noticeably looks fatigued after the first round. But this guy is as world-class and as top-notch as it gets. Daniel Cormier will fight through anything. So he goes the second round, and he goes the third round, and wins the second round in the third round, just fighting a terrible game plan, just slinging with Stipe. But man, by the fourth round, again, he's just too, he's too far chewed up. And coming into this fight, I think he's the superior fighter. But at 41 years old, he's starting to regress. I don't know that he can go five. He needs to knock out Stipe quick. First, first fight, he knocks him out in the first round. Second fight, he almost knocks him out in the first round. If you remember the first round of the rematch, he's just clobbering him with hammer fists. It's a good finish. Second round, has a good second round. Third round, still out strike, still landing the big shots. But when he wasn't able to put him away, that's when Stipe comes back. So, again, this is going to be a good spot for live betting because Cormier might once again go up a round or two. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be betting Stipe at plus money instead of even money and hope that he is going to come back and get that fourth or fifth round stoppage. Another angle here is that Stipe never threw any body punches the first three rounds. That was only a game plan he went to in the fourth, and it was obviously super effective. It was effective, especially because Cormier was already tired by then. <clears throat> but consider the way Cormier fought the first two rounds. He just leaves both of his arms out extended, tries to wrist control you, and then punch over the top. His body's always open. It's that Stipe took couple rounds to make that adjustment. He goes so out right from the get-go. Go out there from the get-go and start working his body right at the start. Then he's going to tire even faster. Mm -hmm. When he tires even faster, that's the time to take him out. And one last point I want to make on this one is that with Daniel Cormier, he's always trained at a world-class level. At 41, even though he's had back problems and he's had some, a couple knee issues, I feel like he's going to do his best to train at an elite level. But think about AKA and the dynamic of AKA. You've got the real GOAT, Habib Nurmagomedov, who's just like a team captain, and he's so joyous, and there's so much energy. And he's got half a dozen badass motherfucking Russians with him from the Caucasus, from the Cos... Whatever, Dagestan, Chechnya... Places you guy, can't even tough pronounce. Guys. Sure, sure, yeah, exactly. Ignu Chechnya. These guys are Jordan. All these people I mean, are badass. I mean, that's kind of a different reason. Sorry, not Jordan, Georgia. Yes. What I'm saying is that those guys are all part of the team. So now he's gone. He doesn't want to train for his own title fight in the U.S. because of his fear for COVID. His father obviously sadly passed away. A lot of the teammates have pulled out of their respective fights. None of those guys are in the gym. Mm -hmm. Cormier's gone on record saying that, you know, he's got a third child on the way. And does he have a mother that's older or something? Regardless, he's been, on, he's been pretty vocal about, you know, got to be careful and you're training at AKA and we're keeping it a small-knit group. So to think he's going to be at his absolute optimal physically... I don't know. Mentally, sure. Guy wants to. Guy's a career winner. All he's ever done his entire life is win, 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 win. And he's going out one last hurrah. But you and I have been doing the show for six years, Paul. Yeah. And how many times over the course of the six years has somebody who's gone on record and saying retiring after the fight gone on to win said retirement fight? Not very often. So he, he's like it, pretty much never. I'm thinking hardly. like Mark Munoz, like got absolutely. Did he win? No, he won one. 
I forget because he tried to come he back. He got deaded. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, these guys retire than the unretired. Yeah, but when, but especially at 41 with a third child on the way. Like, think about the dynamic of having a, a small child at 41 when you are a prize fighter who's competed your entire life. And the last fight against Stipe, he got fucked up, man. Not only was he cooked to the body, but it's the head strikes that mm-hmm. eventually knock him out. He's stiff. Now you hear him on interviews. I don't, I don't want to say he sounds punchy. He just sounds tired. He just doesn't sound like he's got the energy. He's a guy who does a lot of broadcasting. He's a busy guy. He's, he's got a lot guy. of other things on and the he's go. Got he's got that kids. other show, like Detail or whatever that they do as well. He's, he's. I mean, he's already got his second job lined up. That's why he's able to retire. Um, he wanted to retire fights ago, and Dana White usually doesn't do this. He said, he's like, no. Like, he tried to tell him not to retire. Why? Because he's like, I think he could still win some fights. Like he's still. And this was like a couple, a year and a half ago, maybe. Um, I'm glad that you said Stipe. That was one of the bets I've already made. It was a small bet because I obviously like to cross-reference with you to see where your head is at. Um, But yeah, Stipe Miocic, I think we just see exactly kind of the same thing. Yeah, DC can win some early rounds, but Miocic will take over late. Yeah, right. So just to play psychologist quick, we'll move on because obviously we're talking a long time about this fight. But just to play psychologist quick, think about Daniel Cormier, right? One of the most... Decorated wrestlers in U.S. history. Uh, he comes over to the UFC. He's a strike force champion, heavyweight champion. He's a UFC light heavyweight champion. He has a great legacy. He defeats Stipe Miocic. Now he's the heavyweight champ, former light heavyweight champ, two-division champ. All this great legacies there. That's how he wanted to end the legacy. That's a great legacy. Now he doesn't want to fight Stipe the second time. He's on record many times saying, don't want to fight Stipe, want to fight Brock Lesnar. That, geez. Talk about an even better way to cap off your career. Already beat Stipe. Don't got to worry about him no more because he's a tough son of a bitch. I'll fight Brock, and then I'll sail into the sunset. Mm -hmm. So when Brock, when the fight doesn't materialize, now he's backed into the Stipe rematch. It's like, fuck it. I'll do this one more time just to show everybody. And you lose that fight. Now, he's such a proud man. He's such a career winner. He's not going to retire on a loss. So he's got to come back for one more. And his options are John Jones or Stipe Miocic. I'd probably want to fight Stipe as well, right? At least I've beaten him once and had a hell of a fight with him the second time, whereas John, Jones has just got his number. It is what it is. And at this point, 41, doesn't want to go back to 205. Let's be real. No, he's not cutting <clears> that way. No, anymore. no, it's done. So I don't, know, I don't know that this is the best fight for him and that he's at the best stage of his career. I feel like this is a fight that he had no other option. And if I win this... I'm the greatest of all time, and if I lose this, I'm one of the greatest of all time. And that's good enough for him. He'll do his damnness to win. I think he probably wins the early rounds. But in a five-round fight, if Stipe's in good shape and can still do the same thing last time, carry it, fights a little bit of a better game plan himself. Fuck, he was hittable in that first, or the second fight, sorry. Again, then I would say Stipe. So right now, it's even money. I would say Stipe's my pick. $8,000 on DK. We'll get to that later. And I, I think live bet is a good option. I think, D, I, again, DC doesn't yeah, lose early then, rounds. Then if you, I mean, if he gets knocked out in the first round, like you the first time, then you didn't lose any of your investment. Of course, of course. You no. get a better read on it. And, it, and again, if Daniel Cormier is dominating him, at least you go out and know in your back pocket, you're going to get a good price. And he was half dominated the first time. Not fully dominated, but... He can, he's, he's capable of making that comeback if he's got some gas in the tank, right? The, so. the only thing I will add on to that before we move on is that looking at creeping, I like creeping on the fighters' Instagrams and whatnot. Stipe is looking lean and mean, looking like he's going to use that speed. Yeah. I would be interested to see the how Cormier he weighs. Doesn't, by the way. 
I'm interested to see how he weighs in because usually it's around like 240 or so. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like 235, even a couple pounds lower. He looks like I see more veins. I see a guy whose mentality is I'm way faster than this guy. All I have to do is just, you know, stay out of stay out of danger. I guess re- that helps Cormier a little bit in the wrestling. But if Cormier is not able to wrestle for five rounds, then what good is it anyway? You know, something we talked about last week was Derek Lewis. And it was like, oh, man, what kind of shape is he going to come in because it's quarantine camp? It's like, he kind of always trains quarantine camp. He doesn't have a ton of sparring partners. He works with a small-knit group of guys. If anything, he's going to be same as he's always been. And he came in really good shape. It was like spending that time to himself allowed him to get in shape. Stipe is the same thing. Because he's a part-time firefighter, because he has a job when he's not preparing for fights. He's probably so busy that usually he's not able to put in that extra time like at the gym to actually make his body Yeah, and he's a local celebrity in Ohio. He's putting in the gym, training, sparring, but not lifting weights or the other... You know, you know what? You see the, the sparring. You see the sparring footage with him, and he's working with middleweights, light heavyweights. Like yeah. he doesn't work with a ton of big guys. Whereas Cormier is always just grinding with the best guys. And uh, I think on the countdown show, they mentioned like Kane Velasquez is back, and it's like they don't show one second of mm-hmm. Kane training. It's just him at a barbecue and him in the gym. Although he seemed in good shape, to be honest. Anyway. Considerably what Kane gets up to when he's not in shape. I guess that WWE run kept him in. Anyways, let's get on from that. But yeah, the pick's going to be Stipe, and have a, have a look at the live bet. On Sugar that. Sean O'Malley takes on Marlon Chito Vera. O'Malley, minus 325 favor. Vera can be had for plus 265. What are you thinking here? Okay, so O'Malley is benefiting from the hype train. The hype train can be a bad thing. Usually it is for, for prices, unless you're looking to fade a guy. But do I think he's the favorite in this fight? Yes. I like his skill set. I think he's developing. I'd like to see what he's got to offer. But Cheeto Vera is no rollover, and that is a rollover price. Plus 265 Cheeto almost baits you into taking the play on Vera. Here's my issue on Vera and why I don't think I'm going to take the stab on him. He's just notoriously a really slow starter. Just doesn't win the first round. So now he's got to fight back and win one of the next two. He's got to win both rounds to get this fight. He's not really a potent finisher, and to that extent, O'Malley's undefeated. He's been submitted twice as an amateur, but he's never been knocked out, and Vera likes to bang. Vera can submit, guys. I just don't see him submitting O'Malley. I think he's going to look to bang with him. So if he's going to give the first round to O'Malley, he's, just, he's fighting from behind again. And if you're going to get 265 on him straight up, let him lose the first round to Sean O'Malley because he just always loses the first round. Let's at least understand that. He's fought in low competition like Guido Canetti, Woody Burn. He's lost the first round to those guys. His last fight with Song Yudong, he had a good first round, but it's just close. And the first round, he probably lost. That's part of the reason he lost the fight. People scream robbery on that fight. Like, holy shit, they thought, like Ross Pearson, Diego Sanchez. It's a close fight. You look at MMA decisions, it's, it's split. It's 50 50, you know? It was rightfully a split decision. Now, Song Yudong, 22 years old. Other thing about Song Yudong, Song Yudong, 5'8 with a 67 inch reach. Sean O'Malley, 5'11 with a 72 inch reach. He's just bigger, he's longer, and Vera stands in the pocket just a little too much. So mm-hmm. I find O'Malley, because he's fast, because he's dynamic, people will say small cage, they're 135 pounds. <laughs> like, what the fuck? They're pretty small. O'Malley's real tall for the weight. He's 5'11". That's not, that's not even considered a tall human being by any other standards. It's tall human being by Bantamweight standards. Yeah. So I think he'll still be able to do what he does, dance around. Plus, he's, what, 2-0 at the apex already? One in contenders. Last fight against Eddie Wineland. You see his hair, his hair dye job? Awful. <laughs> Looks like the Colombian Wait, flag. Is no, that what he's trying to go No, it's the Ecuadorian flag. Oh, is so it? okay. it's like when, when Cheeto's trying to hit him, he'll be hitting the flag. Yeah, it's yeah. next level troll. You troll know job. what? And, and that's part of the issue that I'm having with fully going. As much as I'm talking about O'Malley's going to stay to the outside, and he's a little crisper, he's going to get the first round in the bank, you know, improving. That's, that's the other problem is that because he's a, such a great character, and he's got a great social media following, and he's got the hair, and he's got the antics, and he talks a good game, is that why he's ballooned out to 325 as a price tag? 
Maybe. I'm not fully understanding. I don't know. He's looked so good. Um, Obviously, Cheeto's... Okay. Yeah, go on. So good in his last couple fights. Since coming back from suspension, this guy looks like a different dude. Um, Nobody's really tried to take him down. Obviously, that was the hole in his game before. Obviously, if uh, Andre Sukumuntath had just, I don't know... Stood up. Stood (laughs) up. He wouldn't have this perfect record. But I think O'Malley is a different guy than he was way back when. And uh, I think Vera's going to try to force him up against the cage. Dirty box on the inside. Clinch. Yeah, help yourself. There you go, kid. Enjoy the Perrier. Um, Vera's scrappy, man. You know that. He's absolutely scrappy. I think, I think uh, we see more of the sugar show here, but... We're gonna get to a yeah. We're gonna get to a wrestler with O'Malley soon, and I think that's where he's gonna catch that first uh, L. Okay, so Vera's got underrated wrestling, man. Spends a lot of time working on it, and I, I that's why I wonder if this is not the spot. But I just don't know if his wrestling is like you a, said, a good enough. I agree a hundred percent in your assessment that the two years off, best thing that could have happened yeah. to this guy, because otherwise he would have talked himself he into cho- a bad. He would have he would have th- chased Hooper himself at some point, he where it's like he went against somebody who's a veteran and just got. Absolutely exposed. Right. Now, he took the two years off because he was popped, and one of them was, like, th- steroids. And the others were, well, it was, like, a tainted supplement yeah, and then weed. Yeah. And, and, I, and I didn't believe them, and he was cleared of it or he was exonerated, whatever the case may be. But when you saw him come back from the two years, it was like, oh, he was on some. Maybe not roids, but, like, he filled out. That's the difference between 23 years old and 25 years mm-hmm. old. Then you see him go out there, and he looks great. But just keep in mind, he looks great against Eddie Wineland. Jose Alberto Quinones. Yeah, it's true. Easy to look better against those guys. This is a Quinones, big step up, and the price is similar. Huge. It's a huge step up, especially when you consider Wineland's uh, journeyman gatekeeper, end of his I think career. He's minus 500 against Wineland. Yeah. You, or and, uh, Wineland. But he's, he's end of his career. He's, you know, mid-30s. Not a good spot. Quinones, 30-year-old. Again, you could call him a gatekeeper at best. Probably not. Outside of the top 25. Not a great spot. His wins prior to that, Andre Sukumantath, ah, come on. His UFC run was very lackluster. Terion Ware, currently on a six-fight losing streak, and he has that big win over Albert Kazakian. Marlon Vera is absolutely, and this is what's bringing me to my last point, and then we can move on here. He's absolutely cast iron. When he beats guys, he finishes them. When he loses, it's a decision. Mm-hmm. You cannot finish this guy. So we don't know if... Yeah. Song Yudong hits him with 101 significant strikes. He just takes it, he walks away. Douglas Andraj, who's very one-dimensional power puncher, mm-hmm. lays it on him. But he takes it, loses the decision. John Lineker, you want to pull out that goat mask again? Your boy puts it on him, but he takes all the punishment. Davy Grant, decision. Marco Beltran, decision. Bruno Lobato, decision. Sure. No one's ever finished this man. And we haven't seen O'Malley post post that suspension have to go he deep. He only fights one round. That's true. So, yeah, great. He, th- and again, that's why you can so bet Vera, because Vera loses the first round anyways. Yeah, wait. So Wait O'Malley wins the first round, which we're expected. And again, when you talk you to Vera, you gotta see signs of O'Malley being ty- like tiring or something. Like you're not if he wins a round very decisively, it's really hard to click the button on like a guy who's already down a round. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying it's already 265. So after the first round, when they offer you 450, like, oh, right? More than then that. it's like, mm, you know what? Maybe he, more than that. He usually fights down a round. You haven't seen O'Malley in the second round, so that's already kind of uncharted territories for him. I think O'Malley would be fine because he's got ADHD. And I know this is going to sound a lot funny to people, but they have so much energy, they just don't go. I, I, I know fighters who have it. Elias Theodoro, my buddy Donnelly. God, these, these guys just go. These guys just go. Because... 
when they're not fighting, it's like they, they don't stop, right? He's the same way. He's one of these wiry kids, probably didn't fit in high school, but is a bad motherfucker. And now he's channeling that. He's channeling that time. But one has to wonder, you know, he's playing video games and he's running his own clothing line and he's you know spending a lot of time on social media and he's smoking the blunts and he's hitting the mitts and he's working with a really small crew of guys for this fight. Not with John Crouch. He's not at the lab with Benson Henderson. Just mm-hmm. fought. Would have been good to get rounds in with him. Uh, a couple guys just recently competed out of the gym. He's fighting out of Vegas? Or training out of Vegas? No, he's still in Arizona, but he's just kind of running a small little, his own thing, right? With, uh, I forget, that redhead guy. Good guy. I I should know this. There was a time I knew everybody's name, but there's just not enough time anymore. Welsh, Welsh, Welsh. Oh, Tim Welsh? Yeah, yeah, right. Which was his boy, right? They're still hanging out. They're doing their own thing. He's a badass. Was a good fighter, Bellator fighter. Never got to the peaks he wanted to. I thought you were going to be talking about Spike Carlisle. No, no. But at least it's good to get rounds with these big, strong guys. Push you some rounds. So Vera's only 27 years old. O'Malley's only 25 years old. Technically speaking, they're both prospects. Only one of these prospects has fought some of the best guys and looked pretty okay. O'Malley's blown through some lower-level guys that, let's face it, Cheeto's fought lower-level guys outside of losing the first round, which he just always does. He finishes them too. So pick your poison, man. It's a very bad price. What I'm going with is, as we talked about, Vera cast iron. Hasn't been finished. Fought some really good guys, taking the punishment. O'Malley, he's the favorite here. He's 325. Take, take the fight by goes to decision is minus 120. If you're really on O'Malley, take O'Malley by decision, which I haven't looked at, but I bet you it's plus money. I just there's what's so much. Vera, what's Vera by decision? Vera by decision is plus 600, and O'Malley by decision is plus 150. So you're getting plus money on the other side. I see this fight going the distance. And even though if O'Malley Fair. does that crazy stuff and he's sparking him with shots, Maybe like this, this guy takes it. Vera just takes it. He takes it and he loses the round. It's great. Whatever. The over, I even I looked at over one and a half, but it wasn't a great price tag. The two and a half was a good price tag, but nah, if you're going to take two and a half, just take fight goes the distance. Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of what I was looking at there. So if you don't feel comfortable with the price tag O'Malley, maybe look, just fight goes the distance. You can get minus 120 anyway. We have Jay Orzino, Rosenstrike, taking on Junior Dos Santos. Rosenstrike, minus 140 favorite. Dos Santos, plus 120. Rosenstrike, obviously, coming off of getting deaded by my boy. <laughs> Deaded big time, like real fast deaded. Yeah, he's got the hey, Jair Zeno. You cost me a whole bunch of money, so I didn't feel all that bad when I saw that happen because we were obviously on Overeem the fight before. Overeem's winning, <laughs> chinny guy, he's winning. We get Brutal. into round five. I'm already collecting. I'm like, good thing I didn't hedge. <sighs> and you know. His face falls off in like the dying seconds. Uh, Overeem's face falls off in the dying seconds. Ended up losing that one. Um, again, now we're taking on, you know, an older heavyweight, a guy who's, you know, been exposed for being chinny. Junior Dos Santos looking pretty good in the gym, too. Saw some pictures floating Holy around. Holy shit, I know, oh. right? Shout out to Pogi Rob. Follow him if you're not yeah, following Pogi him Pogi Rob was posting about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Holy crap. He does look really good in that spot. I mean, he probably, I would imagine Junior Dos Santos has the wrestling advantage here. Rosenstrike hits really, really hard. He's a good striker, obviously. Can JDS get knocked out? Absolutely. That is 100% in the cards. But a plus 120 veteran experience Stay on the outside. Maybe mix in the wrestling if possible. JDS has my eye at least. Uh, He has my eye. I haven't made any bet on him. What about you? Yeah, again, I think we're on the same thing. On a card that's kind of barren for underdogs, JDS certainly sticks out. He's got the back class, first of all. He looks in great shape, second of all. 36 years old. If he was a bantamweight or a featherweight or a lightweight, 
definitely cause for concern. But at heavyweight, not that big of a deal. Has he taken a lot of damage in his career? Yeah, no doubt. He's but the best guys. Yeah, the absolute best guys. And you look at his last lo- two losses, Francis Ngannou and Curtis Blades. It's like, okay, realistically, outside of we get this title fight out of the way on the weekend, and then that's number two and number three outside of that. Cormier retires. The fight becomes the title becomes vacant. You see probably Stipe versus Ngannou. Two, Blade sitting in the mix. So at least he's losing to elite-level company. When they give him that step-down in competition, he has been able to win. JDS has always had good boxing. He's had clean boxing, good output for a heavyweight, good light on his feet, mobile. That's what he brings to the heavyweight division. A guy that can move in and out, move on the perimeter, decent kicks. His wrestling, like you said, okay. Jiu-jitsu, okay. Cardio, pfft. You want to talk about a guy that's gone... Remember his first fight with Stipe? Five rounds of just absolute knock him down can he still do that i don't know but he's fighting a lot smarter now i think that's the key to rosen's to beating rosenstruck rosenstruck's got the touch of death i think we've established that but there's a small chance it's a fraudulent touch of death and second of all it'd be nice if you threw a little more in order to hit the touch of death mm-hmm. that's my issue with him he just doesn't throw enough i mean francis and ganu fight aside the overing fight came down to a buzzer beater because he just didn't throw and it wasn't even a knockout. It was a fate. Like his lip basically exploded. Lip, lip basically exploded. And so by basically, I mean 100% exploded. All right. So it's like, okay, well, you know what? He does have the touch of death. It's like, well, why do you say that? It's like, well, dude, remember his UFC debut? Knocked out Junior Albini. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Maurice Green took half the time to get Albini. It's like, okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> remember when he knocked out Alan Crowder? Uh, yeah, okay, okay, but feed me a little something else. Crowder's close to being the woke. Do you remember when he knocked out Andre Arlovsky? It's like, okay, so Andre's got, like, what, 10 knockout losses on his career record? So, good win, because he's an established guy and a, and a veteran guy. And then Overeem, it's like, oh, Overeem's the only guy that gives Andre Arlovsky's record of most knockout losses a fucking run outside of the Shannon riches of the world. He obviously. didn't even knock him out. He, he <clears> exploded his lip. It was a bad stoppage, absolutely bad stoppage. Because there's four seconds he of was, around. He he's walking away. Overeem does stand it up. He's wobbling. Draw he's or wobbly. something like that. Because you know, Jair Zinho did come on strong, obviously at the end of the fight. But he did come on strong. Apparently, he's got real Overeem good cardio, was up, but he paces three, one, himself. I believe at least three, he just paces four. himself out far too much. So with G- JDS, I, I hate to draw the comparison, but I think this is where you look at it: JDS versus Derek Lewis. Right? The thought process going in there. We run JDS. The thought process going in there is like, man, this guy's a little chinny. He's pretty warrant-torn. Derek Lewis is like a motherfucker. Can he fight without getting hit? Because if he gets hit, he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. But we were on him that he's got the better boxing, the better footwork, and a lot more output because Derek Lewis just doesn't throw enough. He's got a lot of power, not quite the touch of death, unless you're on the ground. If he's on top of you, holy shit, you're just screwed. But it was a similar thing, right? And JDS fought well. He got touched a couple times, but he did a good job of evading. And I think that's what he does here. And then the other point is Rosenstruck came to the U.S. to work out at ATT. So him and JDS have had rounds together. I'm sure of that. Who that favors, I'm not quite sure. But when you look at any of the tape, JDS is at ATT with the main team and the main crew of coaches and training partners. And Rosenstruck is kind of there, but he's mostly doing his stuff at his strength and conditioning gym. So... Again, I think there's a lot of advantages JDS, and he's the underdog. Mm-hmm. Why not have a poke simply at that, right? Yep. We got Mirab Devalishvili taking on John Dodson. Uh, Mirab is a minus 230 favorite. John Dodson plus, one ni- plus 190. I mean, Mirab is crazy cardio, insanely strong for 135 pounds. John Dodson, obviously a former flyweight, has done, I mean... 
he's a very, very talented fighter. Getting older, speed has always been his advantage, but speed's the first thing to leave as you get as you get older. I think John will do a decent job of dancing around for a bit, but once Marab gets a hold of him, he doesn't even have the best technique for his takedowns. But he's just, he's just so strong. He's, so strong. he's just so strong. He just muscles you to the ground. And I think once he gets a hold of Dodson, it's going to be like every other Marab fight. Um, I don't think Dodson's got enough to, to keep Marab from just charging, barging forward. Um, I don't love the price at minus 230 because this is definitely the biggest step up for Marab so far. Um, but yeah, Marab, I just think too much strength uh, once he gets a hold of him. Uh, you probably, Marab by decision, is what's going to play out. A lot of cage work eventually, because John Dotson has historically been so hard to take down, but I just think the strength disparity here, he'll get taken down. Um, Marab by decision is kind of my official pick here. I haven't bet anything on this fight. What about you? Yeah, That's yeah. Minus one, that 138, by the way. Minus 138? Yeah. That's more intriguing to me, because Marab What's, rarely what's finishes one? anybody. Oh, by decision is and minus John Dodson has a very good yeah, chin, very I'm good durability. I'm on that play all day. If you're yeah. going to take Marab, you take Marab by decision. I mean, he's a decision machine. He can take you down 13 times. I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. Unless you're taking down Pfeiffer last night in Contender Series, takedowns don't finish fights. No. Takedowns establish good control, good position, but also shout out to Mark Coleman snapping Shogun, who is our Once Upon a Time Pride. It is just not a way to finish a fight. So, yeah, he's impressive. He scores 13 takedowns, but a lot of that is taking you down and then muscling you around. The other, pro- the other thing is elite-level wrestlers take you down three times, once in every round. That's it. You just don't get back up, whereas this guy takes you down 13 times because you, you get up, takes you down, you get back up, he takes you down, you get back up. His advantage is that he has a great cardio, insane amount of cardio, and he's just able to press you. I, I'm going to take him. I'll take him by decision. Same thing. Way better price. But this has apple pie shit slightly written on it because he didn't look very good against Gustavo Lopez, a guy that does not pack the same heat that John Dodson has and doesn't have the wrestling that John Dodson has. Mm-hmm. John Dodson's fast. He's, he's more dynamic than Marab uh, certainly. And he's got a lot of power. If he sets up that opportunity to hit you, he'll hit you. Gustavo Lopez is landing some decent punches on Marab, but Marab just powers through and gets the takedown. Yeah, you can take down Dodson. In fact, lots of guys have taken down Dodson. Nathaniel Wood took him down. Peter Yan took him down twice. Pedro Munoz took him down. Marlon Marais took him down. Uh, Demetrius Johnson took him down four times once upon a time. He's a flyweight. You can definitely get takedowns on him, but he's so hard to put away that it'll be the same thing. as if Gustavo Lopez is getting up. John Dodson's getting up. Mm-hmm. And when John Dodson gets up and John, John Dodson, Dodson hits up faster. you. Yeah, and when John Dodson hits you, it hurts, hurts a lot more. So Marab's fought a pretty lower level of competition, but his style indicates he'll do the same thing as he did to Ricky Simone that won't get finished, and he'll just grind up against your leg. And Listen, I mean, John Dawson's best days were at 125. Mm -hmm. His power didn't quite carry over. His speed didn't quite carry over for whatever reason. Maybe just got a little bit older. But he's still got some tools. But he's not a very big guy. Five foot four, I believe. Maybe Mm -hmm. even a little smaller. Marab's only 5'6". But Marab's just going to put that Georgian grind right on him, as we were talking about. Very strong guys. He's going to put that grind on him, and he probably wins. And he probably wins a decision. But, but again, as I go to put the bet, nah, yeah, I'm just going to put him here, and I'll put him over here. <laughs> and the smell. What's that smell? What is that smell, yeah. right? And yeah, We, yeah, the we, mine, we yeah. actually had Dodson over Nathaniel I, Wood as the underdog. Yeah. But he's shitting a lot of people's pies. Not our pie, thankfully. But a lot of people's pies, based on the guy's got power and he's pretty dynamic. And he actually represents, you said it best, 
a step up in competition from Rob. John Dodson's a career contender, fought all the best guys in the world, and lived to tell the tale. So again, he presents a lot of problems for Marab. And uh, 230, not a great price tag. 138 because of the decision. Got to go with that. But I don't fully trust it as much as I generally love betting the shit out of Marab Devashvili. This one screams a little bit of a be wary. Uh, we got my boy, Vince from hell, Pachelle. Minus 125 favorite, taking on Jim Miller, who we cashed a 10 to 1 first round ticket on. We took on Roosevelt Roberts. Jim fights one way these days, guys. He's going to try to put away Vince early on in this fight. This is fair. And I call Vince the Swiss Army knife. He's pretty good at everything. I think he's able to stay out of danger with Jim. Jim's going to get tired in round two. We either get a finish or we get pin- Vince Pichel by decision. These were this fight was basically a pick 'em a couple days ago. The lo- money's starting to come in on Vince, as I think it should. Jim Miller exposed a prospect in Roosevelt Roberts, who you know the they whole the holes were there. <laughs> you just have to go. You just had to move forward and like you know overwhelm the kid really, really early. Uh, Vince isn't going to get caught by the same picks. Uh, Vince has been an absolute ATM for me, for the team. Um, I already have a decent-sized wager on Vince Pichel at minus 110. It's minus 125 now. I would still play it probably up to minus 170. I, I got something for you. What you got? Uh, you said if he can escape round one. You don't think he fin- Vince finishes him in round one. If there's Vince, a Vince isn't really a finisher. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If, I agree. if he can get it, he's 22 to 1 to finish in round three. Vince that's to finish around. That's, really? just, to that's one? so big. Okay, that's that's worth a poke. Because yeah, like Jim, Jim's gonna come out hot. Jim comes out hot every fight. I just don't think that uh, his tricks are gonna work on Vince. I don't know if he's gonna be able to take Vince down or at least consistently. Maybe he gets him down once quickly. Um, I think Vince is gonna be able to survive, and Jim will be pre- like will will gas out um, from trying to hunt for the finish. So Vince Pichel is the pit uh, is the pick. I have a bet on Vince Pichel, and that round three prop is uh, is Louis Picante. It's also Ooh. two to one to win by decision. I don't know. I just I, I, I'm probably I, I just gonna I'm just gonna bet him straight up. I think. Oh, you bet yeah. the third round at twenty two, then bet the two to one. I mean, I'll, I'll probably you think take, he's gonna win. I'll take a poke at the twenty two. I don't know if I'm gonna take take the decision prop though. I'll tell you something. You don't need to talk about decisions in this fight because Paul Shaughnessy is the Vince Pichel fucking whisperer. Seven fights in the UFC. Guy doesn't fight a lot. Eh? He had like a three-year layoff. Fights. No, I had like a three-year layoff between 2014, 2017. Fights once, takes a year off. Comes back, fights once, takes a year off. Coming into this fight, he's coming off a year-long lo- layoff where that probably won't hurt him. He just doesn't have the time. And his fights coming back from his layoffs, usually pretty good. Five and two in those seven fights. Paul Shaughnessy nailed every single one of them. You had his loss over uh, Rustam Habalov and Gregor Gillespie, her other boy, and you had his five wins, and he comes through as the underdog a lot. You got a good read on this guy. He's super strong. He's 37 years old. Jim Miller, 36 years old. Ain't that some bitch? The difference here is that... Damage and wear and tear. Yeah, Vince Michelle's 12 and two, right? Good for 14 pro fights, whereas Jim Miller has 14 pro losses. You know, he's got so many more fights. 
the wear and tear on this guy. And he'll fight injured, and he'll fight up a weight class, and he'll fight the toughest guys in the world. And the motherfucker will fight with Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. Jim Miller is the definition of a bad motherfucker. But his wins, he's got to get it done in the first round. Goes after him in the first round. Goes after him in the first round, yeah. And, you know, Pat makes a good point. Well, geez, why don't you take Vince Bissell later in the round if you think he gets out of that first round, beats him up? Is as I really think that this fight plays out similar to Jim Miller versus Scott Holtzman. Even though Miller has all these first round finishes, whether he wins or he loses, doesn't matter. He likes to finish quick. Holtzman's too big, too strong, doesn't let Miller get the fight to the ground. Therefore, Miller can't use his best we- weapon, which is top game in his submission game. He's got to box a little bit. He is a better technical boxer than Vince Bichelle. Unfortunately, Vince Bichelle is a lot bigger than him, a lot stronger than him. And I just think he's going to move forward. He'll get hit a few times, but he'll land big punches. And when you look at Holtzman versus Jim Miller, Jim Miller's outboxing Holtzman in the first round. He lands the better punches in the first round. Mm -hmm. The difference is his punches just don't get Scott Holtzman's attention. And Scott Holtzman walks through them, takes the punishment, and as round two and three goes on, Miller completely gasses out. Guy that was once known for his cardio, as we talked about with Daniel Cormier, maybe getting older, cardio, bit of an issue. Once Holtzman takes his best punches in the first round, he just wears on him. Mm -hmm. I think that's what happens with Pichel. I think the first... First round, again, Miller probably gives a good account of himself. Could be another good live betting spot. Could be a good, good live betting spot. Miller wins round one, but if you see any right. sort of sign of him slowing down, not looking sure. as fast. For sure. You could catch like a plus 150 on Vince in, in between rounds one and two. Yeah. Now, we talked about guys being in shape and layoffs and all that. Vince Bichelle coming off a year-long layoff. He did have an injury, but again, you look at any tape on him right now, fucking guy looks in good shape. He's always been big for the weight class. He's always been strong for the weight class. And consider his two losses in the UFC are <laughs> Roost on Avalov and uh, Gregor Gillespie. Like, yeah, really, yeah. If the you guy's have not bad. really, really elite wrestling, you can give him a hard time. Yeah, so I think Miller gives him a problem in the first round. I think as Miller starts to wear out, Vince Bichelle keeps going on. Cardio has never been a Vince Bichelle issue. The guy keeps going, and even though he's that one year uh, older, a lot more gas in the tank, I believe. So give me Vince Bichelle. Vince Michelle by decision and uh, the over one and a half on that one. We got Livia Souza taking on Ashley Yotter. Uh, Souza minus 160 favorite. Yotter can be had for plus 140. Any thoughts here? This could be a potential apple pie hitter as well, actually, depending on how much faith you put in Livion Souza. And I, Cody Safford, I loved her in I put a lot. Yeah, I put so much faith in Livion Souza. She was an ATM in, in Invicta. My God, girls got it all. Judo black belt, good BJJ, strong body kick, aggressive striking. Looks good through Invicta ranks. Comes to the UFC. Ah, you know, well, blows through Alex Chambers. That was a gimme, let's face it. I think she was a, what, a minus 1350 or something stupid? Like, you couldn't even bet it. Now, second fight against Sarah Frada. Sarah Frada, I believe. Frada? Frada misses weight and comes in and looks so big. And Livion Souza struggles in that fight. The takedowns win it for her, but she doesn't throw a whole lot of punches. Doesn't throw a whole lot of kicks. That was kind of out of her arsenal. Now she takes on... Uh, Van Buren, uh, Brianna Van Buren, sorry. And it's the same thing. She throws almost no strikes. She just allows herself to get backed up. She allows Van Buren to get off first. And then Van Buren able, is able to just take her down, more or less at will. So the problem I took away from those two fights is Van Buren's kind of big, kind of physical. She was able to muscle around a little bit. Same thing with the Sarah Ford fight, where, where, the Frada fight. Where did she have her success? When she was able to just big, strong, aggressive, move forward. But she was giving up the takedowns. This girl's not, Livion Souza's not super big. I don't think she can make 105. She's never fought at 105. But bigger, stronger, more physical fighters, that's usually what gets to her. And Ashley Yotter is not very good. But at the very least, Ashley Yotter presents the problems that Livion Souza has been facing recently. She's kind of big for the weight class. She's grindy. She just wants to wrestle and take this fight to the ground. Livion Souza has a massive striking advantage. 
but she chooses not to use it mm -hmm. by not throwing any strikes. So now we got the grappling. Yoder's very competent in the grappling. She's probably got, I don't, don't want to say a wrestling advantage because of that judo edge for Souza, but she's probably not totally out of it. And as far as fight goes the distance, yeah, I've obviously got that, but yeah, Ashley Yoder has fought some decent grindy fighters, like her last fight, Ronda Marcos, split decision. Able to grab, takes down Ronda Marcos twice. Pretty good. Ronda Marcos, strong. Big for the weight class. Good wrestler. If she does the same thing, goes out there and gets the fight to the ground against Livion Souza and holds her down and wins a couple of rounds, Livion Souza gets back to her feet. She's not throwing. She's not throwing. Where's the body kick? It's open. Why don't you throw it? Why don't you get, get your hands going? Loses rounds. Close fight. Yoder's training. I don't know. I, I, I just feel like I've Armbar gone. from guard. Yeah, my problem, my problem is Livion Souza's actually cost me money pretty decent considering shit the bet against Van Buren. Mm -hmm. And then because I liked her so much, it gave me a false sense of how good Van Buren was. Van Buren styled on her and then proceeded and then, and then to get that cost styled on by Tisha Torres. Yep. So looking here, it's like, well, okay, well, Tisha Torres is a top contender. Those are that, that's, that's a high level. Ashley Yoder's not that level. She's 7-5. and five. She doesn't look particularly great in the UFC, but she's in grindy, relatively close fights against good fighters, went the decision against Mackenzie Dern. You could do worse. I'm probably going to hit a pass on that. As much as I really want to bet Livion Souza, as much as I really, really, really do, the reason why we're on such a good roll is we're doing a good job of avoiding those spots that we normally just dive straight mm -hmm. into. So... When, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure if I tweet out Parlay, she's going to fucking be on gonna it. She's going to be on the nine-legger yeah, or yeah, the yeah. 11. Or there's only 11 low. fights on the card. Little, one of them doesn't low. even have lines. And listen, um, I'll tape study right to the fucking fight happens, right? So I'm going to keep on it. If anything changes, anything changes. But Ashley Yoder has the feel of a live dog because Sousa's just been struggling against bigger, stronger, grindier fighters. Ashley Yoder is not as big and strong and grindy as the last few opponents, but... She is. She is. She has the tools to potentially pull off an upset. Make sure you're following Cody at CJ Samptic. He drops little, I mean, you drop the goods. Last weekend, tons of people who were following you, looking for those parlay. People said, don't parlay. Well, you can parlay when you're following um, who yeah, I, who I like believe parlays. and will continue to say is the oh, goat. Bleat, bleat. All right. Um, yeah, follow him on Twitter at CJ Safdick. On fight day, he's going to be dropping those or, little... Or, even better, even better, stuff. the reason why I leave it closer to fight time, and eventually, who knows, maybe stop doing it, is watch the show. Man, I'm telling you the advice right now. <laughs> Just watch the show. And sometimes you change a R couple yes, of Yes, yes, yes. Wins is something. As I talked about, I tape study it's right like, to uh, the end. like Collier. We were like, oh, this could be interesting. <laughs> and then you see him showing up like double Volante, and you're like, oh. Never be too Get stubborn to change your opinion. Yeah, exactly. Take as much info as you can. That's why I say live betting is the way to go, right? As much as we can talk about the fight, we, we watched the last 10 fights. We looked at sparring Once you see them camp. in together, you, you actually have so much more information. You have so much more data in the, in the first minute, two minutes of the fight than you ever did prior to the fight. Mm -hmm. You really do. This guy's getting stuffed, and you, you thought he was going to get him to the ground. This guy's missing his punches. This guy's looking a little off. He's looking a little daint. Live betting is where it's at, but... Who the fuck does a live betting show? So let's talk about the fights beforehand. That's what we're doing. And yeah, I, I think a pass is in order or maybe small play. Fight goes the distance and potentially Yotter. But I, I would say Suze is my official play here. Herbert Burns takes on a blast from the past. Daniel Pineda <laughs> back in the UFC. Uh, God, it's been... I mean, I, I never thought he would be back, but here we are. 
Um, maybe he's been doing well in the regional scene. I'm sure you've probably got all the information about that. I mean, Herbert Burns, one FC. I watched the tape. I watched a bunch of fights, and it's just like, you know what? I mean, he's not Gilbert. And I think he's still not no, Gilbert. No, but and he'll never be Gilbert. Let's he's get that proven off the table. us wrong. And those Burns brothers are him. the most improved That's true. brothers in any sport, um, as far as I'm considered. Like, Gilbert's performance that he put on last time. No, uh, that was a no performance because he fought Woodley. But his oh, other body on. of... You no, bro, no, you know me. He, put that, on a, he, he, a he outstruck non-win. Woodley. And, and we took down and Woodley. I, and I said he And we took him. We, we bet him. We were on him. No, but it's I his mean, other body of work is impressive. Both of these guys... The, uh, all impressive. I'm saying is that the Burns brothers yeah, yeah, have yeah, taken their game to a whole new level. Yeah. And I think Herbert, we have to give... We haven't given him respect... He's cost us some money in his uh, in his first two UFC fights. To be perfect, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. To be I frank agree. with people, try to fade him. Um, I'm not fading him this time, but minus two ninety. That scares me. It smells like an apple pie shit. <laughs> oh, man, I'm, not gonna is, bet Pan- I'm not going to bet Pineda this time around, but I'm not going to get hurt by Burns this time. I'm not going to get Burns. Burn. Um, Burn by Burns. It's, it's a straight up pass, but like, you know, Herbert's look great. His striking looks on point. He's obviously training with his brother. He's only getting better and better and better every single time we see him. Pineda, I don't know much about what he's been up to. He was never anything special when he was in the UFC. His first run around, this may actually be value. I think the more interesting thing, and we'll talk about at the end, is Burns may kind of fly under the radar, may not get the attention he deserves on DraftKings, and he's been finishing guys fast. Um, that may actually be the play, is Herbert Burns uh, on DraftKings. But I don't, I'm not getting up to the minus 290, minus 300, I see. It may even get up even further. Um, it's a straight-up pass for me. What about you? Yeah, so Daniel Pineda, crazy to see him back in the UFC. A 1-4 run once upon a time. And yeah, legendary run the first time. I'm talking, we got, actually, first time he beats Pat Schilling. That actually fucking killed. <laughs> he, made, he he was a minus 140. I don't know why I ever thought Pat Schilling was worth a fuck. But that was 2012, man. We were in CSM at the time. I remember I was l- watching the play-by-play on my phone at the bank, and I was like, God, suck your Schilling, son of a bitch. <laughs> Anyways, then Eight he, beats, years ago. he beats Macron Semrenzer. Good win for him. Mike Brown, Antonio Carvalho, Justin Lawrence, Diego Brandau, Robert Whitford. Those were all decent guys at the time. He just wasn't getting the wins. Cut from the UFC. Goes to the regional scene. The regional scene's been up and down for him. But one thing about Daniel Pineda, Daniel Pineda comes to fight, man. Daniel Pineda goes after you, and he's super versatile. That'll either be his strength in this fight, but probably his his worst enemy. His downfall. His worst enemy, of course. His last two fights, now he's absolutely just completely starched the board. So he's fighting on fights for LFA, whatever. He's getting regional scene victories over lower-level guys. PFL signs him, right? Add him to the featherweight tournament. He took on this Mavlid Kabulayev in the first round. Kabulayev was not only the favorite to win the entire tournament for PFL and win a million dollars, but Daniel Pineda was a plus 420 underdog. 420, shout out. A plus 420 <laughs> underdog to Kabulayev, and he knocks him out in 29 seconds. Crazy. Then the son of a bitch comes back the same night against Jeremy Kennedy, who's a tough guy, UFC veteran, Top Canadian featherweight. JBC. Very durable. And he chokes out Jeremy Kennedy with a, with a guillotine four minutes into the fight. Now he's going on to fight 
for a million dollars, Paul. Only he tests positive with steroids. So he's had a suspension. I don't know why the UFC picked him up considering... Fresh off of a steroid suspension? Dude, and he won twice in one night. When they the two, have USADA dude, the in The two place? biggest wins of his career, and they're both no contests. Oh so he's coming off two no contests coming into this fight. He's 35 years old. Texas guy. BJJ black belt. Again, potent finisher. Daniel Pineda has 26 pro wins. Okay? Eight knockouts. 18 submissions. Motherfucker has never won a decision. Likewise, I think he's lost two decisions, but uh, he's been submitted three, four times. He's been knocked out once. He's a do-or-die type guy. I would, l- I love fading Herbert Burns. I thought Nate Landwehr would tire him, put a pace on him, break him down late, win the decision. But he KO'd Landwehr early. I thought Evan Dunham would stuff the takedowns, keep it standing, box him up. But he took Dunham down and submitted him in the first round. He doesn't present these same issues to Herbert Burns. Because whereas Daniel Pineda can wrestle and he can strike, and I think he, he has a lot of tools, he's never won a decision. And Herbert Burns has never been finished. Because... Just like Gilbert, tough son of a bitch, can strike, very good grappler. At some point, there'll be an opportunity for him to get on top. And when he gets on top, that's how you beat Pineda. You grind him, you submit him. Pineda has been a a good, again, it could be an apple pie situation. The reason I'm passing on him, just my luck. This is just a my luck thing. It happened with the uh, shoey master himself. Uh, you, you buy into the hype. Who's his big name? Big Samoan guy. Obviously, I'm drawing a blank here. Who invented the shoe? He didn't invent the shoe. Oh, right? Taito Ivasa. Taito Ivasa. I wanted to fade Tai so bad. You remember these days. I wanted to fade him so bad. And I got bad options to fade him. Fade him, fade him, fade him. Finally say, you know what? I was wrong. Jump on the bandwagon. Should have faded him. He was who I thought he was. It's just the matchups didn't align up. I don't think Herbert Burns is that good. I think he benefits a lot from his brother's name. He's coming in as a minus 290 favorite. Probably shouldn't be that big of a favorite, but he's looked good in his first two fights. Has he? Or has he gotten lucky in the first two fights? No, no, it's skill. But part of it could be timing as well. If I jump on the Herbert Burns bandwagon, especially at 290 now, I'm not jumping on the wagon. I may play him on DraftKings. Yeah, and I think if you play, he's you been play winning, him. He's been winning quick. And that's he, what we're looking for. He's been, he's been winning. He's been winning quick. I mean, he got Evan Dunham down, who's an adequate a wrestler, good mm-hmm. colli- former collegiate wrestler, okay, and BJJ Black Belt. He yeah. took him down. He submitted him. So Panadia is a wrestler, With right? A BJ, B- J Not as good belt. as Evan Dunham, and he's a BJJ Black Belt. More creative and opportunistic than Evan Dunham, but maybe not on the same levels. of If they just grappled straight for straight up, I think Evan probably wins it. It's a lesser it's a lesser matchup. This guy's shown what he can do, and I think Herbert Burns probably pulls it off, but I can't jump on that bag win on a personal level. I also think if you take Burns, you probably take Burns inside the distance. 290's not a great price tag. You probably take him inside the distance. Does he knock right. out Daniel Pineda? No. Pineda can take a hell of a punch, and Herbert Burns is not really a TKO guy. Burns can submit guys. Pineda happens to have three losses by submission as well. That that's the path. That's the path. Pineda actually is a grappler. If this becomes grappler versus grappler, who do you got? You got Burns, and you got Burns probably by submission. So I don't know what the price is on that. But if you want to try to beat two ninety, I, I would. My advice you to you: have if you're Burns guy, probably not. I know, it, but it, that's it's, something to look at. It doesn't have just by submission, but by, to finish by KO, TKO, DQ, or submission, Burns is minus one seventy five. Like, that's not. Nah, it's not enough yet. Uh, we that's would a bad need, price. We would need the straight, yeah, the straight up submission. Yeah, problem, that's a bad price. Which they don't release until you know Thursdays, Fridays. Maybe out by the time you're listening to this right now. This I, is also another good live betting opportunity. If Pineda takes what Burns has got in yeah, the first round, Burns always tires out, 
and oh, I, I got by submission now. Oh. It's minus 165. Yeah, not enough. It's not bad, but I, I, that's not something yeah, I not, would I mean, we're not jumping on the 290. I would have I needed plus money to, to, to play it. Um, yeah, I would have needed, yeah, give me a plus 100. I'll, I'll be your... Yeah. Huckleberry? I'll be your Huckleberry. That's the word I was looking for, or the uh, saying. All right, we got uh, Vern. Uh, can you explain this one to me? Verna, Verna Jandaroba. Minus 320. Felice Herrick, plus 260. I don't get it either. Yeah. Can you explain to me why Verna is this big of a favorite? Because Felice is pretty competent wrestler. Obviously, the grappling advantage goes to Verna. Yeah. But if this stays on the feet, Felice has been in there with elite competition. Point stock. She can hang. She can point fight. She can win rounds. She can keep herself out of trouble. She's good boy or good buddies. I don't know if they've been training with each other, but with uh, with Carla. Obviously, Carla in Carla's right? in San Diego, and, and Felice spends her time up near Illinois, Chicago. Yeah, she's with Jeff Curd and those guys, I think. But, you know, they're friends and stuff. I'm sure whenever they're around each other, they probably spend some time training together. Um, she's, yeah, she's very, very competent at everything. She's not a specialist at anything, but I think 260 in a women's 115-pound fight, I'm very, very interested in betting Felice Herrick, tell me I'm crazy or don't. Well, you're not completely crazy. Just on Felice pulls these kind of upsets. You know, she's in close fights and she's she's well rounded. She's a generalist. Does she do anything spe- specifically well? Maybe not, but she can do it all. That becomes inc- interesting when she takes on someone like Vernon Janandroba, who's very one dimensional. If you're able to take Verna out of that one dimension, you've got the other skills to potentially pull it off. Felice Herrick started off her career as a kickboxing champion. You know, apparently. I've watched some tape. I wasn't overly impressed. But she's a decent level kickboxer. A lot of decisions on the record. Comes to MMA. It's been all over the place. But her grappling's kind of always been her problem. I think she spent a lot of time on her, on her cardio. Not cardio, sorry. On her grappling. Gotten her grappling better. Just seems to be in an all-around better place. The biggest thing is, if you've ever met her, which I have, Fleece Herring is a 365 fighter. This girl is in tremendous shape all of the time. Mm-hmm. Now she's pulling off these upsets in the UFC. I know she's lost her last two fights. We'll get to that. She's pulling off these upsets in the UFC. It's just based on she has a good game plan, she's got good cardio, and she's got some skills everywhere. She cashed a couple of very nice tickets. This is wacko. Kayleen Curran. She's a minus. She's a plus 115. Felice Herrick, because just like anybody, you fade her. Then she fights Alexa Grosso, where she's plus 315. But she fights a smarter game plan because mm-hmm. she's a savvy veteran. She's yep. been around the sport at this time. She's in great shape. She finds ways to win. The Justine Quiche fight, I totally fucked that one up. I was all over Quiche. Felice Herrick, plus 130. She's now cashed three straight underdog tickets. Courtney Casey, finally, finally they give her some respect. She's a minus 115. Yeah. But she hustles around. never a big favorite. Right. Now now you get Karolina Kovacavich, former, a former title contender, and it's a split decision loss. Then she gets Michelle Watterson, former UFC title contender, and it's a unanimous decision loss. Then she blows out her knee, and she's taken two years off. She now returns to the sport, 35 years old, definitely mm-hmm. older. I don't think cardio's going to be an issue because she's just such great shape. Yeah. Probably what contributed to blowing out her ACL was just being so active on it. But I think she'll return as a decent form. Can she wrestle? Can she grapple? Can she strike? Absolutely. Does she pose problems to Vern and Jane Androba? Absolutely. Vernon's got to get this fight to the ground, establish top control, and hold her down. It's easier said than done. I would want a better price tag than 320. It's not a good price tag. I take pass. And we'll fleece I by would, decision. I was going to say, I would take dog or pass, but two years off, blown out knee. Come on, man. Yeah. It's a good price, but come on, man. 
Uh, I don't know. It's probably just a pass. The decision prop may be silly. The decision prop is probably pretty good because keep in mind, Philly's Herrick, right? As we, we'll, we'll, we'll go, not, we'll though. go right back through that, right? Uh, Grosso by decision, Quiche by decision, Casey split, Carolina split, Michelle Watterson unanimous. Okay, she's giving up a grappling advantage. Did she not give up grappling advantages over Michelle Watterson and potentially Carolina? She can take a punch. She's durable, good cardio. She's there to hang around. Either you take fight goes to decision, probably not a good price, or if you're that sold on Jana Droba, maybe have a look at Jana Droba by decision. It certainly beats minus 320. Fair. Um, it's plus 350 for Herrig to go to decision, and it's plus 105 the other side by decision. Plus 305 to win by decision for Herrig? Yeah, Three, not, pl- no, plus 350. Eh. And then plus 105. I mean, it's better than 260. 260. Yeah, I don't expect well, her to finish anybody. To honest, if I was going right, to bet it, that's the her side only I way bet, to finish. But. Her only way to finish is with a submission. So she's giving up that big of a submission, and she's not, she's not finishing if she does win. She's winning a decision. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're going to take Felice... Fleece by decision, 350, even better. Eh, if you're going to take, ja- if you're gonna take Jana Droba, I think you just pass, man. I think yeah. you pass. Listen, what, what was the one fight that theoretically shit in the PRP last week? Should have just fucking Stole passed. Stole your stink, should just pass. You know why I took the dog? There was no edge. There was no thought process. It's just like, if you're going to have a mid-level fight, the dogs come through. Who knows? Let's just throw it on there. When the PRP was designed, you've seen her name, the 12th name on the thing. Just no confidence. Well, you, you played just, the other side of it, too. Because I had no confidence. And I was like, I, I'll just play one ticket on both sides. Because that was... Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was the last one. You're it was just the like, last You're just fight. throwing it in there. Everybody else I thought would be okay. Means worried about him. But as we talked about on the show, motherfuckers got to wrestle more. Guys got to grapple more. Him holding him up against the cage, I mean, you got to realize... We didn't think Sanchez was going to win by first-round knockout. No, no, we thought he would win a decision. And when we talk about decision props, it's like, you never know. We talked about he had power, he had a good striking. He just, he fell right off the map seven minutes into the fight, eight minutes into the fight. Hopefully he can get Terman into a good spot where it's like they're both tired. He win two rounds. Yeah, and he's won two rounds. And and then hold on in round three. Yeah, Terman doesn't put it on him. Terman didn't put it on the way Orion James puts it on the way. We talked about young, younger guys, high output. That was the way to beat Sanchez. You never know what's going to happen. You can get the right guy, but not get the right method. That's why it's always smarter when you're parlaying to parlay them straight up. Because you don't want to go 12 for 12 or 10 for 10, whatever the price, but be like, God damn it, I had O'Malley by decision because you guys said O'Malley would probably very can be finished. You said very can be finished. What the fuck, man? I took him by decision. When you're parlaying big, take them straight your up. Your parlays When you're betting week. props, when you're betting, when you're betting straight up, smaller parlays, maybe three, five parlays, Definitely. There's one book that uh, has, they do like the double chance. So it's like, it was Derek Lewis by TKO or decision. And that was minus 150 on fight day rather than oh, like yeah. the minus 200. But so, decision, come like, on. Is that ever going to happen? He's not going to yeah. submit Alexi no. Olenek. So Impossible. it's like, I can just take those extra points. That's like one of the few situations. So yeah, like all yeah. of my parlays that I, that I tailed you, that... Won me thousands of dollars. Um, had Derek Lewis by TKO or decision. Um, I was just like, I might as it's well just take way. the extra. A, I'm, I'll yeah. take the extra price there because like Derek Lewis is not submitting really anybody, let alone Alexi Olenek. That's not happening. My problem is I came into a situation where I was like, I need to put eight grand on Alexei Olenek to hedge this out. So that's what I did. Because if Lewis won, everything was going to come through. It was going to be epic. So I had eight grand on Alexei Olenek. Honestly. As you called yourself, puss puss. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Because I hedged hedged it either way. If Derek Lewis would have lost, 
uh, I would have made about sixteen thousand. And if Derek Lewis won, I'd win seventeen thousand. It didn't matter, but I'm glad he won because that was. The I right had a Linux on DraftKings, and, and I'm glad obviously with all of our other underdogs, you know, with Means and Sanchez, I was set up perfectly. But I had Olinick. So then I didn't actually hedge anything because I knew I was looking at like the standings and stuff. I'm like, if Olinick gets that first round submission, I mean, he had him in the he had the, he had the scarf hold. Yeah, he just wasn't right. for sure. I think Derek Lewis gets out of that nine times out of ten after seeing. It. I think we texted each other about that. He's just too strong. He can't. That type of maneuver is not going to work when Derek Danny Lewis Omelong can literally Chuck. just like yeah. push that arm off. Right? He's just so strong. Um. But you don't know that going into the fight. But I didn't actually hedge because I looked at the DraftKings rankings. I'm like, if Olenek wins, he's going to win early. I'm going to skyrocket up a bunch of these rankings. If Derek Lewis wins, well, Cody's got all of the parlay goods on the other side. So I was, I was, it was a win-win by the time I got yeah, to the main event yeah, last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen, I love letting it ride. But that was just too oh, dicey. And believe me, believe me, as much as I had Lewis, champion for Lewis, super excited Lewis won. When Lewis is on his back in a fucking scarf hold, don't you think I was glad I hedged? Of course. Okay, Lewis got out of it the first time. He gets back on top, okay? That sweep was the saddest sweep the world's ever seen. They were on their knees, and Lewis just flopped back over. It was like, oh, no. But fighting is a crazy game, man. You're going to get certain spots. If the guy overcomes a spot, Stipe Cormier is no different. Cormier can knock him out in the first three. If he doesn't knock him out in the first three... That's when you get the impression that Stevie is going to come on. Derek Lewis is going to win that fight if he could get out of the first round. When he did get out of the first round, it was all day. The fight, it, the fight game is just a crazy game. You never know which direction is going to go. You just hope. We always talk about nine out of ten times, eight out of ten times. Yeah, but they're only fighting once, right? So who the fuck knows what that one time is going to present? They fight a bunch of times, sure. They're never going to fight a bunch of times. You just have to go with what you got. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that ties into Vernon Janandroba versus Felice Herrig. However, what I can tell you is, yeah, if you're whoever side you got, take it by decision. Take the fight by decision. Pat said it was 350. That's shit. So, again, it could be a spot where you just walk, to be honest. All right, we got TJ Brown taking on Danny Chavez. Tell me about Dan- Danny Chavez. TJ Brown is minus 145 favorite. Chavez plus 125. I know TJ Brown, action fighter. Had, like, eight takedowns, scored, like, well, he's more, potentially a big-time DraftKings play if he can get the win here. I don't know much about Chavez, though. What's, uh, what's up with him? Yeah, so t- talking about TJ Brown, similar to Daniel Pineda in the sense that he just he's a killer-be-killed guy. He's an action fighter. He goes for it. That is, to his credit, it's why he wins fights. That is also why he loses fights. He's shown a propensity to kind of be half-fragile. He can have a good first round. You, you can go back to that last fight against Jordan, Jordan Griffin. Holy yeah. oh, shit, man, he's taking him down left, right, center. Eight takedowns. He scored like 89 points in a second round loss. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy. He was stacking that fight was the way to go. And he put his head in that choke half a dozen times, seven times, got out every time. But eventually, guillotine got, oh, crazy fish. Man, I like this TJ Brown guy. He's young-ish, got some skills. He can strike. He can grapple. Cardio doesn't seem to be an issue, even though he's getting caught or late in fights. Maybe it's the pace he puts on. Decent little prospect. But it's that it's not just that last fight. It's a career of this. He's kind of done that throughout his entire mm-hmm. career. Prior to the Jordan Griffin fight, he had lost to Cody Carrillo, right? Cody Carrillo at the time, 13 and 16, right? Cody Carrillo knocked him out two minutes and 28 seconds, first round, just caught him. Yeah. Coming at him, TJ Brown coming at him, caught by an absolute journeyman 13 16 opponent. Okay, that's fair. You go back to the fight with, <clears throat> prior to that, Bobby Taylor. Bobby Taylor was three and six at the time. Bobby Taylor knocked him out in a minute 56, caught him. His other career losses, Joe Miola, submitted in the second round. 
Trey Ogden submitted in the first round. Shelby Graham submitted him. These guys are finishing him. He's kill or be killed. That's what he's there to do. That's what he's there to present. Danny Chavez seems fairly one-dimensional, but I'm telling you, I know this from boxing. These Colombian guys, sometimes they're not the most technical. They are so fucking tough. They throw absolute heat. They have natural God-given power. And whereas they're not more technical, they throw absolute power. Now, I can't just stereotype this guy and say, oh, Dan Chavez, well, geez, he's Colombian. His nickname's physically the Colombian Warrior. He'll be fine. He's at MMA Masters, which is, if ATT didn't exist, it would be the best gym in South Florida. Unless yeah, it's where Ricardo Lamas trains. <laughs> yeah, well, tons of good guys have come out of MMA Masters. In fact, a lot of guys have left MMA Masters to go to ATT. Unfortunately, it's the bigger scene, right? He did not look good back in, I don't know, a few years ago. I, I think it's 2016. But his last three fights, he's just going in there and putting a demolition job on people. Here's his problem, Paul. He's 33 years old, right? He turned pro at 23 years old. Since then, hasn't done a whole lot. He had lost a couple fights. He had a two-year layoff. He came back. Since then, he's won three fights, all in the first round. He's an action fighter with first-round power. That can certainly hurt you. TJ Brown is an action fighter who's got a better ground game, should be able to take him down, neutralize him, and submit him. But if TJ Brown doesn't get that first-round finish... While this guy's going to be swinging some heat, TJ Brown's been known to get clipped by far lesser talent and go down. So it's a, it's a dynamite fight. I want to go TJ Brown. My pick will be TJ Brown because I'm a ground game, superior ground game over, over superior striking kind of guy. But with a guy that's been KO'd, again, in the first round by lesser guys, now taking up step up in competition, tough guy, three-fight winning streak, all first-round KOs, and not fighting bad guys either. It's not like he's fighting a low level of competition by no means. He's fighting decent dudes. I would have to say, this is, this is probably more likely a 50-50 fight. So Brown's 145. I'm saying I have him. But the value side of it would certainly be Danny Chavez, plus okay. 125. As far as DraftKings goes, 7,400. Again, we'll talk about it. Chavez just dices guys in the first round. And Brown has a propensity to get finished. So he's certainly a live pick. If you want Brown, he's 8,800. So he has to style on him the same way. DK is definitely going to be Danny Chavez. As far as the actual pick goes, okay. I'm going to take TJ Brown. But... I don't want to tell you pass on so many fights, whatever. But there's twelve, there's eleven fights on the card. I seen a comment last week. The guys like, man, you guys pass too much. It's like, Fuck. We give you a pick on almost every fight, every fight. I mean, every fight. If you, if that I tell guy you I like six spots, you if I don't like five. If I don't that understand guy what the problem is. maybe paid a little bit of attention and I don't know followed you on Twitter, wow. saw all of your picks, you would have. He would have went 11 for 12, be a lot richer and probably a lot less but, but, negative but, in the chat. And you know what? I try not to let it get to me because I'll, I'll, I appreciate it. If you're in this part of the show, if you made it this far, shout How? out to you on this. But tw- uh, Twitter numbers doesn't really sh- mean shit compared to YouTube numbers, right? We need you to like the show. We need you to leave a comment on the show. That is what runs the analytics, which is, which is good. That's good for business. Somebody wants to give, have a comment on Twitter. That's cool, too. But YouTube certainly helps. So this guy wants to call me a dickhead. That's fine. This guy wants to say I pass on too many fights. Whatever. That's fine, too. I, I appreciate the comment nonetheless. But it's just I like constructive criticism, not shit criticism. Saying I pass too much. I, I'm telling you, this is another close fight. Chavez has the power. He could end things for Brown. Brown looked good his last time out. But again, Brown's done this a lot where he's looked good early, kind of got caught late. My official pick, Brown, I'll give you the PRP. Brown's going to be on it. We'll tweet up parlays at some time during the week. Brown's going to be on some. But he's not, a, he's not a lock, despite I love guys that score eight takedowns. And I he's di- not in lock. I disagree a, with you. There's some you. danger there. 
If you disrespect Cody Saptic, who's been <laughs> printing money for people for seven, eight years now. I mean, I'm I'm a know nothing dick sometimes. So. No, Paul, no, no, no. I trust I trust your opinion. Believe me, no, that, no. you're who I talk well, to. What I'm saying is, you're stuff. always just you look at you on Twitter. You're just always nice to everybody. If if you don't like Cody Saptic, the problem is you. I mean, I, I I'm thanks a, for standing up for me, Paul. Yeah, I will stand up for <laughs> you. Um, it's like those cater nut huggers. Oh, I know. Glad they left. You know what? Betting against McGregor, you always got heat. Betting against Jose Aldo, surprisingly, I always got heat. Never fucking got <laughs> heat like that. Betting against Calvin Cater. So shout out to you, East Boston boys. Hey. Passionate. Gotta take, give you that. Take your show over to EA Sports UFC 4 because they didn't put your boy in the game. <laughs> um, stay out of our mentions. We got uh, Parker Porter taking on. I, they don't listen anymore because we picked EA in that fight, so it's fine. Uh, we got uh, Parker Porter. They didn't cash in on any of your parlays last week either. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, there you go. They didn't block me, though. One of them still follows me, actually. Uh, I don't know. I muted them. We got Parker Porter taking on Christopher Dawkins. Uh, basically a straight pick them here. Any any hot takes on this one? Or? I think if you were to talk to Parker Porter and Christopher Daukas and ask them their take on the coronavirus situation, they would fucking love it. Because there's probably no other way that they're fighting in the <laughs> UFC. Parker Porter was once upon a time. This is a true story. Parker Porter was once upon a time a good-looking prospect who I liked. I don't remember him from the John Jones fight. He lost to John Jones, and Jones was like 2-0 at the time. Porter was like 2-0 as well. I don't remember from that fight, but like a year and a half later, he uh, beat Lee Bean. It's 2010, Cody thought Lee Bean was going to be a pretty decent heavyweight. But CES won, by the way. Shout out to the CES promotion, one of the best uh, East Coast promotions. Calvin Cater, actually, once upon a time, CES veteran. Parker Porter looked okay. And then same thing, like not Vince Michelle where he wins a high-level fight and then disappears for a bit. He would just take long lapses of time where he disappears. He's not all that big for heavyweight. If you look at him, he looks like a poor man's version of Sean Jordan. He's only six foot, but he cuts to 265. He is big, and it's all in his legs, man. This guy's got big, strong legs. But at only six foot, he's limited as a heavyweight. He needs to get in close. He needs to close the distance. He needs to hopefully tie you up, dirty box with you a little bit. But if that doesn't go his way, he's kind of fairly one-dimensional. He's now 35 years old. He's had long lulls off in his career. I don't know that you could ever trust him. Parker Porter should not be in the UFC. He should at least have to win a couple high-profile fights to get to the UFC. But a loss, it's a crazy time. We need to throw a fight quickly on the card. Parker Porter gets the call up. Uh, Christopher Doukas is actually the older brother of Kyle Doukas. You'll remember him. He fought in the UFC like yep. three weeks ago. Good grappler. Good grappler. This guy doesn't look bad either. He's like 254. Lost to Brendan Allen, but... Brendan Allen's good, yeah, man. Absolutely. I don't care what anybody he hung, says. He, hung with him. he did, and he won the third round, and he put it on him in the third round. Well, at least he did his best to get the finish anyways. So, yeah, I like what I saw to Doukas. These guys are uh, from Philadelphia. Again, both good grapplers, and both kind of them had decent cardio. Like, his brother as well, Kyle. Martinez BJJ, I believe. Is yeah, Doukas' brother, Kyle, he's kind of a bigger guy, too. That fight was 185. But he looked like a bigger guy. This boy, he's a big boy, man. Six foot two, two fifty five. But he moves well. He has good cardio. He seems super relaxed in there. Maybe a tad bit too relaxed. Maybe a tad bit too. I don't want to say tentative. Just too patient. But he just he just takes his time. Takes his time. Takes his time. His record is a lot of fighting absolute nobodies. So it's hard to get a perfect gauge on him. How good is he? He's looked okay against absolute middling competition. 
and then two fights back against uh, Azuna any Yanwu, you guys remember from Contender Series. Yep. Guy's 37. Total banger. Total banger. 37. He, beat, he beats him in the first round. He's putting it on him in the second round. He got him tired. He's got him hurt. And boom. He eats a big right hand. Drops to the ground. Follow-up ground and pound. Puts him out. He's not all the way out. But it's like, oh, god damn, man. B- bad way. Rebounds from this. Okay, he's 30. His younger brother, Kyle's 27. Kyle's probably more the prospect. This guy's 30. Not great. At heavyweight, 30. Not bad. 255, that's good because Parker Porter is going to come in at 265 on the dot. So at least he's not giving up 20, 30 pounds. He's got better cardio. He's more mobile. He strikes better from the outside. And that's the one problem with Parker Porter. Looking at, I guess we're just going to have to look at his last fight as our best indicator, but against uh, Dirley Bronstrom. I like Dirley Bronstrom. I honestly do. Problem is, he's 39 years old. He's 39 years old. He doesn't throw as much as he could. He's not as fast as he could. And he's kind of kind of limited. He outstrikes him from the distance. Up until the third round, when Parker Porter just fucking nails him and knocks him out. Mm-hmm. That's not likely to happen against Doukas. I think Doukas stays on the range, uses his height, uses his length, uses his reach, good cardio, chips away at him, takes this in later. Pat, hit me with what this fight is to go distance. Or even like the one over one and a half, the one over two and a half. This screams heavyweight fight that gets sloppy and goes Fatty's going to fatty. They're not fat, but you know. Fight to 265 go- and 255, they're not fat, but they're big boys, yeah. right? We can fight agree on that. Fight to go to the distance. Plus 240. Plus 240. So that's more... I'm leaning more towards Pat Walsh versus Dan Kelly, where they both get tired. They both just go the distance. You remember that bet once upon a time. I, I, that that's kind of what I'm more thinking in this fight. They've had they've both shown finishes. They both do show finishes. They show finishes over low-level guys. Now that they match up with each other, I feel like it gets at least a few rounds. If it doesn't go the distance, it gets over one and a half. It gets over two. That's my lean here. As far as a straight-up pick... If it's just one and a half, it's even money over one and a half. So there you go. That's actually my pick. Over one and a half over is even money. Christopher Doak is, is technically speaking, slight underdog. When we get to the PRP and I'll say, I got 300 dogs. He'll be listed as an underdog, even though it's even money. But I, I think he should be the slight favorite, not the slight underdog. And for that reason, Doukas is the pick. But fight to get over that one and a half, I think I'm keying in on that. And then this one, I mean, this fight doesn't even have odds. It doesn't have a DraftKings price. It was added, I believe, today. Tony Kelly versus Kai Kamaka the third. I believe that featherweight that they're fighting, or at least these guys are featherweights. Maybe they're yeah, fighting. Yeah, I think it's 45. Is that 45? Um, do you have any thoughts on that? If you don't, that's great. That's fine. Um, like, there's not even odds, so it's hard to say what direction you're taking. I got added yesterday. Um, Tony Kelly. How could you not like Tony Kelly? Primetime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, uh, once upon a time, was on MTV Caged. Matt Schnell was the oh, most remember, famous yeah. star of MTV Caged. God, I'd have to look what the year on that show was. Maybe 2008, 2009. It's about a bunch of kids from Minden, Louisiana, mm-hmm. who look up to uh, Dustin Ortiz, or sorry, uh, Dustin Poirier, because Poirier's from Lafayette. Bigger town than Minden. And who was the... Uh, and he made it to the WEC. Tim who, Crater was his Tim coach. Tim Crater, that's their coach, yeah. Gladiator MMA. Mm-hmm. Tim Crater's the coach. And it's like, that's the aspiration is if we're good enough, we get out of Karate Mafia, we can go to Gladiator MMA, where Dustin Poirier was. Tim Crater fought UFC. That's the dream. And they follow these four kids. And these kids are bottom up the barrel. <laughs> this Wesley kid, he's 16 years old. Three and two amateur record, just a banger. Just had a baby with this girl named Red. She's working at a strip club as like a waitress. He's trying to get his life together. Doesn't train, doesn't cut weight, sucks ass. This guy, Daniel, he's a rich kid. Parents got money. 
girlfriend died in a car accident. He wants to show everything. He's a big boy. Has something to prove. Just gets KO'd. It's Matt Schnell kid. Poor. Parents got problems. His mom's an alcoholic. His dad's got remarried with other kids. Uh, and he made it because he was so dedicated. And Tony Kelly. And wouldn't you know this Tony Kelly kid, not dedicated like Schnell, but a banger. This guy comes out there and he bangs. And he looked decent on the show. Then the show ends. And Schnell went for it, man. He went to Legacy in Texas. He ran a good run through there. Eventually gets signed to the Ultimate Fighter. Eventually makes it to the UFC. And now he's won fights in the UFC. He's not a bad... He's not a prospect. He's not going to be in the top 10. But he's making money fighting. And isn't that the dream from some kid from Minden, Louisiana? Absolutely. Looking at Tony Kelly, he followed a similar trajectory, but it's the time off that's killed him. So likewise, he's 33 years old now. Making your debut in the UFC at 33... Kind of a little bit older to making your UFC debut. If I told you the motherfucker was 5-1, he has six fights. He's six pro fights. He's 33 years old. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened? Here's what happened. And here's here's his problem. Pro debut in 2013, okay? Wins. First round knockout. Looks good over nobody. Breach Chris Pham, who ended up being a bum, submits him in the second round. 2014. He beat Jordan Winsky, right? Jordan, I'm gonna Winsky. He's out of Dan Henderson's training uh, facility out in Florida or in California, and he's twelve and two. Yeah, two losses. One of them to Tony Kelly. Then he beats Levi Moles on a split decision. Levi Moles is a protege of Johnny Bedford out of Texas. You'll be seeing him in the UFC very shortly. Mark my words on that. Beats him. Then he fights Kevin Aguilar for the Legacy FC title. Split decision. Five rounds. Five sure. rounds. A fucking war, man. And he loses the decision. So we're we're keeping our eyes tracked for an opener on this. Then he takes. How about this? He takes three years. What price? What price would you you bet Tony Kelly? You set the line on this. What do you think it's going to be? Because they should release it before. Okay, so here's so here's so here's yeah. So I'll I'll mark you a price right now. But here's what I'm getting at. Let's talk about. Then we'll mark the price. He beats. He loses to Kevin Aguilar in a split. Okay, 2016. Yep. He took three years off after that. Aguilar went on to go to the UFC. Mm-hmm. Tony Kelly took three years off. He came back last year and beat a fighter who was two and five with a first round guillotine and then took another year off. I have him on Facebook. He's training hard. He looks in good shape. But that's a long layoff. A it's a long layoff. He's now fighting elite competition. He's got he's got a win over Winsky and Lowell's uh, and Levi Moles. That's fucking no joke. And then his loss to Aguilar, it's a split in a five rounder which was Legacy's fight of the year, by the way, because mm-hmm. it's a fucking war. The guy's got some good tools, but he's 33. He's coming off a year-long layoff. He has not fought a legitimate fighter since Aguilar, which is four years ago. So that's all cause for concern. So now you look at Kei Kamaka. Kei Kamaka, okay. Jeez, he's only 25. He's eight years younger. Okay, we got that going. Guy can wrestle a little bit. Guy can strike a little bit. Oh, jeez, he's on a five-fight winning streak. He just beat prospect Michael Stack. Here's his problem. Guy doesn't throw, man. Just kind of stands there. Just stands there way too long. He doesn't have any power. To that extent, let's talk about that five-fight winning streak. Rick James, by decision. The guy's actually named Rick fucking James. Pat, you can check that out. Hilarious. Fuck Who names their kid Rick James? Mauricio Diaz, by decision. Shojin Miki, by decision. Spencer Higa, by decision. Higa was 7-10, and 10, by the way. And then Michael Stack, by decision. Can't finish nothing. Can't finish nothing. Doesn't throw enough. Doesn't throw shit. But just does a little more than you. Wins a decision. Mm-hmm. Kelly, shit-eating wild man. The Louisiana guys just all seem to be shit eating well. You know what? That's a fair point. That's a fair point. And he never thought. I, I, again, I got him on Facebook. It seems like he's always training for something. Nothing ever materializes. Seems like he's been told win a couple fights, maybe you get to the UFC. 
My impression, it's not a greasy theory because I think it's probably a logical theory. My impression is this is a contender series fight. Zane Kamaka was actually, uh, Kai Kamaka was actually signed to fight a contender series. And Tony Kelly wasn't signed at all. But it's 10 fights. And you know what? We're still three days out from the event. Yeah, Let's just throw a little bit on the undercard. We're in Vegas. There happens to be COVID-19 being every, still a e- massive week, nuisance every in week, the United States. Every week something falls off. Um, I mean, Ian Kutalaba versus Ankalaev was supposed to be on this something card. Something will probably fall and, off from and this. And Kutalaba obviously got, got, uh, got COVID. And, oh, yeah. And he's out. God damn, that would have been. Actually, you know what? Ankalaev was a bad price. I had him. But I didn't want to bet him at like what four fifty. Yeah, it's a bad it was, price. It was getting a little bit out of yeah, control. Yeah, that was not good. Set a line. Set a line on this. I'm going to set the line as K Kamaka one forty five minus one forty five, and I'm going to say the value side would be Tony Kelly. And the so you DK. Think Kelly I don't know be, if the DK Kelly would be a dog when it opens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Listen, dude, he's fought one legitimate guy in four years. Yeah, that guy he lost to. Right, and that guy hasn't really particularly done great in UFC. Fun. Well, hopefully, we guys. get some dog price on Tony Kelly. Yeah, whereas Kamaka's on a five fight winning streak. He's a two. He he in his last three fights. Yep. Two and zero in Bellator. One and zero in LFA. He's fighting in good organizations against good guys against a guy that has had no f- relevant fights in the last four years. Of course, Kai Kamaka is the favorite, mm-hmm. but Kelly's a wild dog, and I think that he'll come in as a dog price, and I think he'll give you good effort as a dog. And at thirty three. Thinking, I've got six pro fights. I've fought once in the last four years against a two and five opponent. I'm not making the UFC. Then COVID happens. Now he gets his chance. You don't tell me this guy's going to fucking go for it. Remember Jesse Ronson? Jesse Ronson, one thing, and I bet against him. My bad. My bad. One thing about him is he was so bummed out about Jesus. Finally got my shot in the UFC. I want my shot in the UFC. If I ever get my shot in the UFC again, I'm going to go for it. Got mm-hmm. a shot in the UFC again, went for it. Got that first round knockout. You, you back a dog into a corner, he's a dangerous dog. That's right. how Kelly is. Let's, so. let's rip through DraftKings really oh, fast. Uh, just, just as a fact check here, uh, Caged was January 2012, Cody. 2012. Well, that makes sense. That would have been my what? First year at Fight Network, maybe. Let's, nope, second year at Fight Network. Let's rip through the DraftKings really, really quick here. Yeah, let's rip through. Just ask my I mean, I don't... Can I just ask my questions? Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go that's... Like, just ask the questions. That's all we're going to do for yeah. the segment. Quick, Quickest finish on the card. Who are we looking at at least for a quick finish? I mean, Jairzinho Rosenstrike is live to be the first finish. He hits really hard. JDS has been compromised. We're picking JDS, though, so... I'm gonna, I mean... I'm going to go personally with... If you're Herbert Burns, Burns, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, it'd be the Burns Pineda fight. I mean, Burns by submission. Burns has been one. dicing better guys in this in the first round, and Benya Pineda is or kill or be killed type guy. Again, 35, coming back to the UFC, he'll be in a similar yep. spot to uh, to Tony Kelly. Just go for it, man. So, yeah, Herbert Burns is that is is the answer for that. All right, most takedowns on this card. I think you go T.J. Brown. Marab. Oh. Marab every okay. week gets yeah. more. Fair. Every time yeah, Marab yeah. fights, yeah. he gets like seven, eight takedowns. Yeah. Marab Devalshvili. He's right. He's right. I would say that Marab is the most takedowns. TJ Brown would be that second choice. Uh, yeah. Most significant strikes for a fight that actually lasts. Uh, Stipe Miocic. Yeah. If we get into the deeper wall, like I mean, look at the the price or the amount of points that both of those guys. I think Daniel Cormier scored like 85, 90 points in that loss in that fourth round loss. The boys were throwing, and they were throwing. Uh, ferociously, um, both of them can get over a hundred. 
That's an interesting strategy this week. If you think that fight's going to go similarly to the last one, you think it's going to go deep, you can actually play both of the guys in the main event. Listen, the last time around, Cormier landed 181 significant strikes, according to Fight Metric, versus 123 for Stipe. Like, they're both just slinging. Could they mm-hmm. take those same punches now? I don't know. But if they do, stacking is definitely a viable option. Mm-hmm. And as far as that goes... Uh, yeah, yeah. I think. And they're both, yeah, it's, in I think, the, it's I think right in the mid-range, 82-80. Yeah. Like, that helps your roster construction I honestly don't think any other fighter on the card lands over 100 significant strikes, and both of these guys both have the capability of getting over 100. Sean yep. O'Malley, I would like to say could, but he's not really a volume guy. I'm worried about, so I, I'm I worried about O'Malley with, with Marlon Vera just being cast iron. That's why 9,200, it's hard to pay up there. I want a first-round finish from you, Sean, if I'm going to play you at 9,200. And, and if Vera is durable, which he has been over the course of his career, yeah, then punches, if, we're, if we're getting an O'Malley decision, I, I could 100%. And he doesn't have any sort of – like he's not going to go out there and wrestle, I don't believe, um, with Marlon Vera, unless he's got some extra tricks that we haven't seen yet. Um, I just think 92, it's going to be hard for him to get to that number if this fight goes to decision. Uh, Daniel Cormier scored 101 points. Yeah, no. I I was looking it up. They both crushed. Like The winning lineup last time these guys fought had both of the guys in the main event. Yeah, right. In GPPs. But before you guys get to the PRP, I I circled some dogs when you guys were talking about, like DraftKings dogs. Mm -hmm. The best value on the card, like odds-wise, seems to be Danny Chavez. He's 7,400 bucks, and he's plus 125. Yeah, or Dawkins, who's 77. But we, you think that fight's going to go to decision. So maybe, yeah, Chavez, if we think this is a high volume, he's fighting TJ Brown, who's super high volume. Um, yeah, 7,400 plus 125. That's, that's an easy dog play. And, and like the only other one that You may I not even need it like, with a. Yeah, I had Dawkins and Chavez as the two dogs, yeah. or DeSantos. At seventy eight, but like, I think yeah. I think Chavez is the dog you're looking for as far as DraftKings goes. Seventy four hundred dollars, very high upside that he could very well knock out TJ Brown. Absolutely. In comparison to the other dogs on there, Daniel Pineda for seventy three hundred, but Herbert Burns is just a little too durable. Ashley Yoder at seventy six hundred, she's not a high score. Jim Miller at eighty uh, at Vince Michelle at seventy nine hundred. I mean, if Jim Do- gets a first round finish, I have my look on that. He could ha- he John could do Dodson it. at seventy five and Marlon Vera at seven thousand. Those are the next two that look at you actually have a good play. The only thing is Dodson, Marab's never been knocked out, right? So if he does squeak this decision out, and he could, and he could, it won't be high scoring. As far as Marlon Vera goes, 7,000, that's live. That's live. You, you don't know what Sean O'Malley's going to look like in the second or third round, at least not decisively. Mm-hmm. Probably looks good. I think he looks good. I think his cardio checks out. I think he'll be okay. But you remember the Sukuman Tath fight? Yeah, you do, because you mentioned it. Bro, fuck. You're telling me Marlon Vera don't just back away and win that fight? It could happen. It could mm-hmm. happen. Vera so, Bar- will give a good account of himself for 7000 So if you look at the top, and you have, like, these top four guys, so with, with the way that you just kind of said it, like either Chavez or, you know, maybe Pineda, if you built two lineups, you could essentially just have the same lineup but have the two favorites in the opposite lineup. So you could take Burns in one and Chavez in the other and then easily swap the prices, take Brown and take Pineda. Like, that'd probably be the, but who's the, like, top-end guy to go with? 
Oh, okay. So that's a very good point. I'm glad you brought up. So as far as the top end plays go, not super confident with it because Sean O'Malley at 9,200. Geez, we just talked about a decision. So maybe he doesn't quite get the 9,200. Marab Devashvili at 87. I, I like that. I do like that. It's not quite 9,000. He could get those takedowns that we want him to get. Yeah, he averages like almost 100, pot- uh, 107 points. Potentially a little points. bit dicey. But I don't like Le'Veon Souza. She's 8,600. Herbert Burns, he's probably going to end up on the optimal when he gets that first round finish. But it's a little bit dicey. I think he's worth having a look at. But Jenna Droba at 9,000 and TJ Brown at 88th, not good price tags on both. I'd be interested in seeing the ownership on them. I feel higher ownership is going to be Marab. I'd like to say probably Sean O'Malley. DC and Cormier are going to have tons of exposure on them. Burns is going to be very high owned. But Jana Droba's expensive. You think Burns is going to be high owned? I think, I think he's so. going to slip under the radar a bit. No, no, no. Because just like you opened up the show today when you were just like, holy crap, Pineda's back. Holy fuck. It's like, damn, Daniel Pineda's back. And he's taking on Herbert Burns. He's the brother of Gilbert mm. Burns, man. And dude, finished his last two guys in the first round. One of them by knockout. One of them by submission. He can do it all. He can do it all. Yeah. They're getting better every day. Paul, you said so yourself. These are improving brothers. I think there's a lot to like about I mean, Herbert Burns. He's got very high upside. Did you just leave a bunch on the table? You, I think you're probably you going to end up putting a bunch on the table, yeah. I think um, you probably And we will. didn't even mention my boy Vince. Vince is actually very good price at 7900 Very yeah, good I mean, price. I think Vince is going to be very... Vince, I'm more happy to bet him, but because he's minus 125 favorite now and he's 79, like he's going to be probably too chalky. And yes, if this fight yeah. goes three well, rounds, maybe he doesn't get to that number. He's fair. been a pretty good DraftKings scorer historically when he yeah, wins. Yeah, and Jim Miller can take a hell of a punch. But I'll give one thing about Vince Bichelle. He's got underrated power. A lot of the time he's closed distance with you, throwing you around, you don't see it. But you remember the Damian Brown fight? It was like, oh, oh my God. Damian Brown can take a punch. Vince Michelle's a very, very strong guy. And yeah, because he's never really trained at an optimal level, quarantine times works well within his boundaries, whereas Jim Miller runs his own gym. Maybe it's a little bit different. You don't know. DraftKings is going to be tough this week. Very tough on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. As far as the money line ways side, you can go. yeah, as far as the money line side, I think you end up with four, five, six plays you feel okay with. But because you have such a good week last week, one, come on, we're not going 11 0 this week. We're going 11 but you know, you know don't expect it anyways but more importantly than that you we got money we made money let's not rush to give it back let's make a couple of safe parlays let's go with those props that we like but let's not rush to just cram it and be like fuck it man felice harry's got a shot 260 it's like Let's just enjoy this card. It's a nice card. It's a fun card. I think we're going to make money on this card. And we talked about there's but a lot I don't of live, force, good I don't live spots, spots along the way. So wait for Excellent. more information. There's gonna- live spots is the way to bet, man. You know how it is. You, that's why good. I can't tell you all the best plays. Because the best plays often happen when you're like, in the live market. oh, oh, he's so tired. He just won the last round. Like but my, he's about to topple over. I, I, and I'm I, looking at the live line. I hit an 8-1 Masaranduba a few weeks ago. Weidman last week, plus 200. Plus 200 going into the third. No. It's like, has Omar Akhmedov ever won a second round? Yes, he has. Twice in 10 fights. I was already so <laughs> invested at that point. I had another part of That wasn't part of your thing. It was like a seven-legger. Yeah, that yeah, ca- yeah. I sent you the ticket for that one. Yeah. Um, I already was so invested. In why I couldn't put anything. I wasn't even looking at the live market because I was like, Jesus Christ, Chris, like get get your okay, shit together. So I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm screwed. And then the way the second round ends is Chris gets back up and he moves forward. And that was the indicator that I was like, oh. And then the third round's right about to start. And I don't know why this is. Maybe it's world class. Maybe it's top end guys. I don't know. But that one-minute break, 
made a hell of a difference. He did. He came out and he shot. He didn't exactly punch a hole in his chest, but. uh, (laughs) Okay, so he's mounted. I'm watching with my dad. My dad's like, my dad's like, my dad's like, he's got to hit him a little. I was like, shut the fuck out. What are you talking about? Take him down. Hold him. Cover your head. My dad's like, he's got to hit him a little. I was like, it's Mount. No ref in their right mind stands it up for Mount. Unless you're uh, Bobby Lashley, Chad Uh, Griggs. And Kimbo Slice versus Dada 5000. Yeah, Bobby Lashley, Chad Griggs, Kimbo Slice, Dada 5000. Outside of that, who the fuck stands well, up for me? I mean, if you're in Mount and you're going, <sighs> which is both of those times, yeah. <sighs> well, I know some funny. Bobby Lashley went to hospital for dehydration and like his kidney shut down. Kid- and, uh, you and, mean Data Five Thousand? No, Bobby. Oh, Bobby. Chad Griggs. Remember Chad Griggs? No, Data Five Thousand also Dada had like too. he almost died that night. And Kimbo died like six months later. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, the guys that have been stood up from Mount have died or had a near-death experience short time after. Yeah, they're so excited. Don't get stood up from Mount. All right. Before- and gladly, Weidman got the win. Thank you. Well, let's hit him with the PRP before we get out of here. Okay, so we're going to go with Stipe Miocic, dog number one. Sean O'Malley, Junior DeSantos, dog number two. Marab Devashvili, Vince Michelle, uh, Livian Souza. Fuck, I don't love that. Pass. Yeah, could be. Burns, even though, again, don't love it. And it should be a pass. And then we're going to take... I'm going to take Jan and Droba, but it should be a pass. TJ Brown, Delkis' dog number is at three or four, and then Kelly. Kelly's going to be the dog, and I'll have him as well. That is it for us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks to producer Pat Mayo for all his props and keeping us on track for the most part. Thanks to the goat, Bleat. I think that's the noise that they make. That's what Pat tells me. His kid, no, his kid no likes way. goats. Yeah. Goats don't make, don't they go, eh. No, they, they kind of, like, but, uh, they, but sheep, sheep also that was good. very similar noise. Oh, that's My kid has these maybe. toys. It's like, what does a goat say? It's like, bleat, bleat. What was the first one you said? Yeah. The first thing you said was like, bleat, bleat. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't sell it enough. It was a no sell. You Thank no you sell, to, son of a bitch. I mean, I so, the whole okay. You the, are the whole excellent be, sell. The whole Paul. beginning of the show yeah. was completely a, a, a sell job here. Yeah. I didn't even have to do a shoe. This actually I got did. me in the zone, so I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Thanks to the goat, Cody Saftik, as always, giving uh, dropping a bunch of knowledge on us for Pat and Cody. I'm Paul saying goodbye and good luck. Family experience. Experience.